Welcome to We Don't Give a Shift Podcast. It's Jimmy, Mark, and Brian. And today we're talking about trucks, how trucks used to be for work, and now they're not. So, what was your first truck you ever owned, Mark? First truck I ever owned. Truck or SUV? Uh, I'm not an SUV type guy, but uh, my wife is, so... I guess I had a Jeep SUV, but as far as the first truck I've ever owned, I'm going to have to say it was uh, that, that uh, black one when I first got here. Oh, really? Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't own a truck before that. I had a small car to get back and forth to work because I had an over an hour drive and all that. But that was my first truck. It was a 04 Chevy Silverado 4x4. It was the suicide door, I guess you call it. Yeah, the little half hatch. Half yeah. hatch door. Yeah, half hatch. Yeah, I like. I really like that truck. I had over two hundred thousand miles on when I gave it to my son, and he uh, had issues with it, and he didn't have them repaired, and ended up selling the truck for five hundred dollars. I could could have brained him, but uh, he didn't tell me about it. Cause I would have brought it back. It was a work truck. I mean, I'm I used it for work. I use all my trucks for work. I don't care if I scratch the bed. It's made for hauling stuff around. These people have got so babies about their, their trucks and the truck bed, don't want to put a scratch in it. I mean, why did you buy a truck? Status? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I see more women driving trucks than I ever have. You know, I mean, trucks are cool, but I've got a 4 by 4 truck now. I like 4 by 4 Do I need a 4 by 4 I live in Central Texas. No, I don't need a 4 by 4 yeah, better to have it and not need it than need it. Not yeah, it's not necessarily true for the money. Uh, you're right. Uh, I remember my first truck. I, I loved my first truck. It was a 1986 Blue F-150 with a 306. It's an awesome truck. So awesome. Loved it. I always look on the internet to try to find one just like it. So I've always had the truck. Uh, up until recently, I always drove the same truck. I drove a blue F-150, and I'd go through the years, and I'd get about 10 years out of it, and then get another one, and then get the same thing. And I would have kept doing that, but the Fords got so proud of themselves, and now I ended up in a Dodge. So I got Dodge 4x4. Um, I like it, but it's way fancier than I need. I think one of the things we were talking about before we came on air was how trucks have transitioned from just workload to luxury. Now, I'm with you, Mark. I, I I use my truck. I put stuff in it. I don't mind the bed getting scratched at all. And, you know, it, it's a truck. I got a truck for a reason. My previous trucks I drive, it didn't matter if they were brand new or not. I remember the first 4x4 I got was uh, in not the most recent truck I have now, but the one before. And, man, I used it at the deer lease. Brand new. I didn't care. I'd drive through mesquite bushes and whatever I needed to to get to where I needed and because uh, it was a truck. My other truck that wasn't a 4x4, I treated it the same way. I had that old Ford down in the mountains in Terlingua going down Jeep trails and doing things that, you know, a non-four-wheel drive truck normally shouldn't be doing. But, hey, I treated it like a truck. I don't understand. I mean, like, I like the luxury features. Don't get me wrong. They're nice. But the... The way we've changed the value of vehicles lately, like, whew, 
Man, I think one of the things that you're talking about, like with people babying their vehicles, I think now it's just because there's so much of an investment money wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're that's a big yeah, chunk of change. They're babying their vehicle in the fact that they're babying the, the bed, the, yeah, the pain in the bed. I mean, I understand you know everything's a chunk of change, but most of that comes from all the electronics and all yeah. the stuff that they've added and the repairs it takes for those particular vehicles because of all the electronics that you got to coincide with or reprogram or do all this extra stuff yeah, to it's pretty outrageous yeah what about you first vehicle my first my, my first vehicle was an suv it was a plymouth trail duster which is the plymouth version of the dodge ram charger you know the old yeah. uh lone wolf mcquade yeah suv the the four-wheel drive had a removable hard top. Uh, a great little beach vehicle out there in San Diego. Yeah, man, uh, that thing, I, it had one seat. The other seat was a milk crate. <laughs> you know, so I didn't care about beating it up. Uh, but then after that, you know, I bought a, a Dodge Ram, a uh, three-quarter ton, the Laramie edition. And I had never been, that was such a luxurious vehicle. Yeah, I would be terrified to treat it like a truck. Because of how much it costs. Now, the bed, I didn't care about. I mean, people are like, oh, you're going to scratch the bed. I'm like, it's a bed. I, I could care less. Now, the front paint and everything, yeah, it bothered me because, you know, you got so much money into it. Yeah. And now, since now they've doubled in price from what that was back then. And that was, in, I think, say 2013, maybe 2010. Had the Cummins turbo diesel in it. And I, man, that thing was like 40 grand. I, I, God, I couldn't believe how much, how expensive it was. And after I bought it, I had buyer's remorse like, man, I can't believe I spent this much on a truck. Don't get me wrong, man. Man, that thing would pull anything with that Cummins. But, you know, it was like, man, was all this luxury worth it? I feel that way now with my truck, the buyer's remorse that you're talking about. Like, oh, every time I get into it and everyone comments, and I've got to say, man, I got to give credit, like the interior and everything, it's really nice. But for me, when I get in it, I feel a little bit of shame. Like, man, I don't need this. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, and here's what happens, though, is you look out there and there is, I mean, my first couple of trucks that I bought were like fleet vehicles, you know, uh, standard transmission, nothing fancy to them. And, and it was just about getting from point A to point B. And it was what I could afford at the time. And now... It's kind of like those are diamonds in the rough. Or if you're not buying 20 of them for business, you're not getting your hands on them. Like, it's no. not what's in the market right now. And this latest truck that I bought with the price tag on it, I mean, it is, golly, I would have been insulted any any time before. I couldn't have afforded it, no. you know, outside of where I am now. And I almost, like I said, I feel a little bit ashamed of myself that, I would pay that much money for a vehicle. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, heck, I've had my truck for over a year. It's got less than 10,000 miles on it, so I don't do a whole lot of driving on it. How many new vehicles have you bought? I mean, I've only bought two. Two. Well, so I bought, I bought two. the truck I've got now, I bought brand new because I've, it's the last vehicle I'm going to buy uh, that I plan on buying. And unless somebody totals it and I have to kill somebody down and need one. But mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, I bought, I've only bought two. One was a little Ford Escort that I drove for 225,000 miles and drove it to the junkyard and sold it to the guy. And the other one's this truck I got now. But everything else has been used. But yeah. I, I have to take that back. That's actually mm-hmm. my, 
I've, other than my first truck, all of mine, I, I bought new, but I've got t- at least 10 years out of them. And all my other trucks, I put a lot of miles on them. And I was traveling across the state, mainly for hunting and stuff. And But now, I just don't drive like I used to. Uh, back then, I was hunting a lot or, you know, I'd go with a buddy. We'd haul cattle and stuff. And so, you do a lot of driving. But now, I don't do that much driving. Jim, how many new vehicles you bought? Two. One was that, that Dodge Ram Laramie. That I had buyer's remorse after a while. I think that that same vehicle now goes for eighty to hundred grand, yeah. which blows my mind. And this Forerunner I bought, and the only reason why I bought this Forerunner new was because I bought it during that chip shortage, and used vehicles prices or used Forerunners were going for more than brand new Forerunners, and I was like, that's insane. And I what I couldn't believe is people were buying them up as fast as they could get a hold of them. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So you just paid eight to ten grand. Over a sticker for for a used vehicle, over the price of a, a brand new vehicle. Grant, you'd had to wait a couple of months. That's why, and and that's what I did. You know, I, I had to wait. I think it was like two and a half months. You know, I went and put in an order, waited two and a half months. It finally came in and bought a brand new vehicle, but it was still eight to ten grand cheaper than a used vehicle that had thirty to a hundred thousand miles. Until they had like one hundred fifteen to one hundred fifty thousand miles on them, only then did they start to get cheaper than the new ones. And I was like, this is insane. I said, I, I can't see why anybody would buy a used vehicle at that price. Because now that the market's corrected itself, man, now you now you paid eight to ten dollars or eight to ten thousand more than a brand new vehicle and you got just got another used vehicle. And yeah. you're you're so underwater it's it's unreal. I can't yeah. believe people were making that kind of financial decision. I was like Speaking of talking about that transition of supply, demand, and availability with the chip shortage, I was under the impression, and I believe I may still be, with this whole changing of like what type of vehicles are going to become available to the people, I remember reading somewhere, and then I may have heard another supporting articles on the podcast, but there was some talk about making vehicles as a subscription. And that was going to be a new business model for the major developers. And the idea was is that they were going to have like a, a bronze package, a silver package, a gold package, and a platinum package. And you subscribed based on, you know, what you were comfortable with with your income. And you were going to have your vehicle as a service. And then I also saw, now this is one I can attest to, that there was a lot of uh, research done with, with these new electrical vehicles that are coming out and they were going to talk about outside of large city areas have these huge parking garages where all these uh, EV and remote operated vehicles whoops were going to be stored and then you know when they're not in use and then when they're needed they were going to come out to the cities and basically act like Ubers for people and they were going to be through the major Companies like Ford or or uh, Dodge or whoever, but they were going to have these facilities where these vehicles went into the larger cities, worked during the day when they were needed, you know, for as far as like the influx of workers, and then go back to like these big parking garages and charge overnight or when the downtime was, and they were going to cycle them out. And that there's going to be this push to get away from private vehicle ownership. Like a daily rental type deal? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's part of the great reset. Yeah, I, I see. And no, I'm, I'm not for that at all. Yeah, it never worked here. It never worked in somewhere like Texas or where people who have large commutes, but like in these big cities, I could see that type of vehicle as a service kind of take hold. In certain demographics in certain cities, yeah. But for the rest of the, that, no. What what it is, it's a form of rent setting. Yeah. That's what, that's why these uh, Black Rock and all them are buying up as many single-family homes is so that they can turn everybody into a permanent renter. Yeah. Because it's, it's a lot of money, and they don't have to do it. They just become slumlords. I think, and that's what I think is going to happen with the similar thing with vehicles. You see how our prices are just freaking astronomical now. Yeah. I think what's going to happen is, is private vehicle ownership is going to become a luxury. You know, outside of, you know, we talked, we started this off as trucks as work, but, you know, that's what's going to happen is as the machinery aspect of it is the equipment to get a job done, that is less. And then when it's truly just from getting A to B, like, I really do see that, you know, if you look at how the trucks have evolved from being work vehicles to now they're luxury items, Mm-hmm. I think private vehicle ownership is going to head that way as well. And uh, to me, that's a little scary and disheartening. Well, I see that happening, but that's by design. It's not because that's yeah, the market. You know, they're, no, they're trying to do that just so they can extract more money for the American people. Yeah. And I did, I don't know how bad it's going to get for the American people to just get fed up. So, no, we're not playing this game. Yeah, well, There's no how bad you can get Yeah, yeah. That, that's, <clears throat> We've had that discussion in private many times as there is no... There's no limitation. I mean, hell, I always like to joke around about, you know, our forefathers. We got pissed off and started a war over some tea, yeah. taxes on some tea. And look at us. Shit, man, they stick it to us all the time. And we, we bitch. Hey, that's one of these podcast outlets is us getting around and bitching, but we didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we can come up with a, a podcast. Uh, maybe not. Uh, I'm not going to say positive because I'm not you know, that kind of guy, but... Maybe come up with a helpful podcast. And we do say some things that could help if you guys, if you guys were anybody was listening. But uh, you know, because like I said before, if you don't get involved and uh, write your congressman or your school boards, some and don't get me wrong, but these the school board thing that's going on. I don't remember what state it's going on in. Where the the parents are running for school board and taking over the uh, actual school board, not knowing crap about what they're doing. I mean, I'm not saying the school board knows what they're doing, but they've been at it for a while. So, I mean, there's a lot of maybe negative things and positive things on the school board, but having the normal people take it over, uh, normal parents take it over might not be the best thing. It's just they need to change the... uh, Leadership in the school board, maybe, but not necessarily make it all parents that are just bitching about something with their kids. Always segue. Of course, now if they own a truck, (laughs) yeah, now if they own a truck, truck. Go back, going back to vehicles. I'm sure we all here can drive a standard shift. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people who have no idea how to drive a standard shift. I drove one for 10 years, uh, going back and forth to St. Louis, Missouri and stuff. And I finally, when I got older, I said, no, I've had enough of standard vehicles being older and having to be in traffic and 
pushing in and out all the time. No, I, I like my automatic, but before I, I really loved the standard yeah. stick shift. I, I liked it for the, I thought that I was a better driver. You were more attentive to what you had to do because you took an active role. You know what I mean? Like Less distraction. Yeah, less distractions because you were conscious of what you were doing. You know, if you drive one well, if you're not out there grinding your flywheel down. I was driving as fast as that sucker. <laughs> I can only imagine, I man. was speed shifting. NASCAR. <laughs> you didn't use a clutch, huh? You just jammed it Sometimes in. Sometimes I didn't use a clutch. Didn't yeah. to. I know in Japan, I was the one that had to drive everybody. I had to get a Japanese driver's license to, learn to drive everybody from our ship to the submarine base. Uh, it, was, it was on the same thing, but you had to actually, actually go out onto regular streets. So they made us get a Japanese driver's license, and it was a standard. And so I'm driving on the passenger side, shifting with my left hand. Thank oh, God nice. the pattern. Thank God the pattern was the same, man. If it would have been, it would have screwed me up. <laughs> but it was still, you know, it was oh, the same man. pattern. But I'm using my left hand. Throw that damn thing in reverse. Yeah, oh, boy. Oh, and uh, yeah, those little things, the little. We used to do that internally, like, all right, let's burn it out, you know, see what we can get out of this thing. And they had a big old sign there that says, sailors, keep off the grass. We do donuts around the sign. Oh, my. No, hey, sailors weren't on the grass. It was the vehicle. <laughs> so, speaking of, what you learned how to drive in? What's that? What ve- What type of vehicle did you learn to drive in? Oh, a, a shift? No. Oh, when oh, you were just, a kid. Like, um, when you started driving in schools, I guess, or whatever. Man, I, I don't remember. We had very we had a bunch of vehicles. I know whenever we'd be going up to uh, Lubbock to see our, our our family, we had that that three hour drive that's just absolutely nothing. My dad like, all right, yeah, prop you. Up. You know, here you go, steer. And we teach you how to steer. You know, just slight turns. Uh, then I think it was a uh, an old Chevy Impala, yeah, one of the eighty box box models. And, you know, that was my, I guess, my learning vehicle. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Mark? Well, learning school, we the school I went to taught you on standard and automatic, both. Volkswagen Rabbit on a standard, and I don't remember what the other one was. But <clears throat> I learned I learned to drive when my, my grandfather's place was a farm up in the peach orchard. So I was always driving tractors, an old pickup <laughs> truck. And I had to keep it calm. Yeah. Unfortunately, because you know my dad, my grandfather, you know wouldn't be putting up with anything, especially if you're hauling a whole load of peaches and kind of dump them off. But uh, yeah, I, I learned on the farm where you, so I knew how to drive pretty much before I took driver's ed. Yeah, that's same here. My cousins, uh, they lived in an old farmhouse, and uh, they still had some land back behind. And uh, my cousin had a '67 Chevy that he restored. It was a uh, Three on the tree. Oh yeah, and uh, I love those. Man, that's that's what I learned to drive in, and then uh, through high school, my cousin. I guess we were in junior high when I was learning how to drive, and we were driving out there just in the pastures and stuff. But my cousin took that truck and restored it all through high school, and man, it was a, it was a nice truck. That three on the tree. I remember yeah. that. Uh, you don't you don't even hear that anymore. Yeah. No. What I was amazed when I got in the Navy was how many people from New York City didn't know how to drive a vehicle. And I was like, how do you not know how to drive? I mean, that's, you know, I thought it was such a basic thing. And then when I went to New York City for that, to film that TV show, I was like, oh, this is why they don't drive. You know, I, they're, yeah, they're talking, you know, you have to pay several thousand a month just to, to park, park it. 
was like, oh, yeah, wow, you'd of, go broke quick. big cities, like in Chicago and, you know, L.A., uh, my son's wife uh, does not know how to drive. They don't give driver's ed. They don't have driver's ed in huh. the big cities. There's no reason for them to have it because they want you to take the L train or whatever the hell they call it in Chicago, and uh, they they want you to take mass transit. But, yeah, she still don't know how to drive to this day. And you know what? The mass transit wasn't that bad. You I mean, you get there. Now, I've still preferred my vehicle because all the crazy people you'd meet yeah. on the subways and trolleys. But, you know, there's a trend, too, of I've seen it like my niece. She didn't start driving until she's 18, 19. Oh, really? Yeah, like they're waiting. Like they're, it, it's with the younger, the younger generations, like they didn't have the. Yeah, ambition to uh, mm. ambition. I don't want to sound like I'm insulting, but like they didn't have the drive. Yeah, well, they didn't want it. Right, like, they were, she was nervous. She was nervous about getting her license. She didn't feel comfortable doing it. And mm. I don't know if it's because you know me driving like a man I was driving when I was 15. Yeah, you know, even well, before I freedom. had a license, it was freedom for us. Yeah, yeah, you want to get exactly. away from home. And, and in big city, I can see where it's not. But I, I don't see why anybody, otherwise other than the big cities, should not learn how to drive. It's such a detriment to not be able to drive. But nowadays, you, you've got different you know things. you got Uber and whatever yeah. the other one is well, and stuff like that. I mean, because you don't have taxis everywhere. But now you've pretty much got an Uber system in almost all your... Um, I can't say that for a fact because some of these really small towns probably don't have an Uber driver right. going around town. But also, having a vehicle and being able to take somebody somewhere also had a big thing to do with dating. Oh yeah, being able to car date. Absolutely. You know that yeah, was yeah, yeah. that's another reason why everybody wanted to get a car as soon as possible. Oh yeah. So you take a date out. Also, uh, I remember growing up. Uh, you know, we lived on the mainland outside of Galveston, but my dad's aunt. She lived on the island, and she she could drive. She had driven, you know, before, but as she got older, and uh, I remember my first taxi ride when I was a little kid, riding in a taxi, and the, you mentioned the taxi companies. But for me, living where we lived was pretty, like, rural farmland, and then Galveston was the closest big city, you know, that had, like, a city atmosphere with the gridded roads and everything, and... Uh, there, yeah, there were taxis back then. I don't ever see taxis anymore around there. Yeah, I mean, pretty much no. in the past. Yeah, it's obsolete. Yeah, I know. Every time, yeah, as soon as you pull in 80, pull into port, first thing we did is look up all the taxis and program them into our phone. Because we knew when you, you know, you had way too much to drink and you're trying to get a taxi, you're like, oh, better just have it on speed dial. Man, what about the convenience <laughs> factor, that type of stuff now that you don't even think about? Oh, yeah, just Uber it. Like, what? Yeah, yeah man, can you imagine no. 30 years ago, if you'd have had, man, I could have saved myself a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you always had to have designate your designated yeah. driver, then your second designated driver, because you knew that designated driver. <laughs> that guy driver. was not going to drink. follow through. <laughs> See, that wasn't even a, a term when I was. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Just, right, right, who's the soberest? <laughs> yeah, was, me and a buddy of mine went to and got a little bit overly drunk in St. Louis, Missouri. At, uh, I think we had like twelve Cadillac margaritas, and uh, he goes, I'm, "I'm too drunk to drive." There's only two of us. Pick me. Yep. <laughs> that was uh, a bad 
way home, but uh, we not that we promote that type of activity. No, at no, all. no. In fact, no. I'm against that. Yeah, hundred percent against no, that. Don't do it. Well, that was a good thing about living in a city. You could do that because you could just get a taxi or yeah. a trolley and go home. Yeah, there's a lot of times in San Diego, you know, I just I just need to make it to the trolley station. And then, you know, from the trolley back to base. Because it, it stopped right there in front of base. And then I'd just walk on in and go to the ship, go to my rack, and sleep it off. Yeah, not, not so much when I was a kid. Yeah. You had miles to go. Yeah. Country. Yeah. Well, yeah, I you grew up in the country. You just pull out there. into some pasture and jump in the back of the truck oh. and go to sleep. How many times I slept in my truck, my first truck? It was... One of the reasons I have such fond memories of it, probably. You used to be able to sleep in your vehicle if you were drinking, didn't yeah. pass at all. You know, if you had the keys anywhere close to you or even underneath the vehicle and you were sleeping off, like, you know, because you knew you were too drunk to drive, they still could give you a DUI. Yeah, that, that's pretty messed up. Because you're yeah. doing the right thing there. You're like, hey, I'm too drunk to drive, pull over. Now, I've never done that, but I have kept falling asleep at the wheel. And I'm like, okay, that's it. Now, pull over and. If, I, if there's not a rest stop, then I'll get as far off the road as I possibly can and, you know, get a couple hours of disease and start driving again. I still remember one morning getting woken up by a football coach. Had my <laughs> my boots were hanging out of the window. And I was laying down on that bench seat, that vinyl seat, cowboy hat over my head, dead, dead asleep. And I hear somebody grab my foot and start shaking it. Oh, crap. I had to get up for it. See, that's what a truck's good for. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. Yep. Oh, it's in the truck. Well, has this topic been shifted? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fond memories. Yeah. So, uh, from uh, Jimmy, Mark, and Brian, for We Don't Give a Shift podcast, thank you for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.